Good evening. Baruch Hashem, that we're still able to make a lecture here tonight due to the situation and the condition of the world. I also plan to do a lecture tomorrow night in Brooklyn, if it will be possible, Bezrat Hashem. Uh, I'm sure that uh, when we spoke about uh, what's going to happen a month ago, when I was telling you exactly what's going to happen and I described to you what's happening now every day, you thought I'm crazy. I know it. But now you begin to understand where the world is going to and that's what we're going to speak in the next uh, two hours. Uh, this, uh, this lecture will be also for a fuad, a goof of Fuat Nefesh of Ruven, Ben Yael Yonina, Simcha Chana Batshifra, Samara Aviva Batshifra, Ahuva Achaya Bat Samara Aviva Shifra Bat Sivia, and Yaakov Ruven Ben Ika. And everyone else that needs refuah and success in these days, Bezrat Hashem. We're living now perhaps in the hardest condition that the world ever been in. Uh, it's been uh, already epidemics in the world in the past that thousands of people died. It's not the first time. But you don't remember ever that they shut down the whole world. Something like this, that Hashem basically froze the entire world. And... Uh, Everybody already understand that the financial damage that happens to the world probably will take a hundred years to get back what happened in the last two weeks. Hundred years of work went down the drain. Tens of thousands of hotels, airlines, restaurants, everybody will be bankrupt. Tens of millions of people would lose their jobs. There's going to be millions of hungry people walking in the street with knives to rob people on the street for food. And we don't know how it's going to end. It's going to be a zoo. We're going to have to put army on the streets. The damage of the virus itself is nothing compared to the consequences of it. Because the world could have lived with few million dead people if the world would continue to function. Because millions of people die anyway from flu and from other diseases. But the problem with this virus that it made such an impact on the world in everything else. HaKadosh Baruch Hu destroyed Hollywood. They're all bankrupt. I don't think they're gonna be able to make new movies in the next who knows how, how long. A lot of people that invested in movies, these movies probably won't come out. Big television channels that spreads Lashon and murder people for who knows how many decades, they're all going to be wiped out. The stock market went down today 13%. I don't think in the history something like this happened. 13%. The fear there's a level of fear in a stock market. It's the worst it's ever been. 
Hashem decided to put almost all the people in the world in 14 days quarantine. Here you don't have it yet, but it's probably another day or two that they will also do that. In Italy you have hundreds of people dying every day. Now it started in Spain, soon in Germany. And it's very interesting because this, is, this whole thing is preparation for the arrival of the Mashiach. When the Mashiach will arrive, no one knows. Even though it's very much in style in these days to promise people false promises. The Mashiach is already here. I saw him. I spoke to him. He's waiting. All these kinds of things that you hear. If you are my students and you've been listening to me for years, you know not to even let it enter your ears. It's all baloney. Nobody knows where Mashiach comes. We do know the Gemara say, the Gemara say that every day a kosher Jew must wait for the Mashiach. Whether the situation in the world will be great, whether it will be horrible, whether it's going to look like if he doesn't come, he's not going to come anymore because there's not going to be anyone to come for. No matter what the condition are, every day, regardless, we have an obligation to wait for Mashiach. That's one of the top first three questions that we will be asked when we die. Did you set up time daily to learn Torah? Did you conduct your business honestly? And did you expect the Geula, the salvation of Mashiach? That's the first three questions that every person will be asked. However, the Gemara said, to wait for Mashiach to arrive every day, it's an obligation. And that's one of the 13 principles of Judaism, to believe that the Mashiach will come. Then there's another uh, uh, principle, which is that there will be the resurrection of the dead. Those are the 13 principles of, the, of, the, of Judaism. If you deny one of them, you are an infidel. We spoke about it many times. But the same Gemara say that if someone gives a date, that the Mashiach would come, the Gemara say, Tipach Rucham Shel Akitzim. Those who gives particular dates, this date the Mashiach would come, the Mashiach is here, tomorrow you're going to hear, next week you're going to hear, all kinds of things like that. The Gemara actually cares people like this. Tipach Rucham Shel Akitzim means that the spirit should leave their body. And the nice words is they should die. That's what the Gemara said. Why the Gemara gave them such a curse to this kind of people? Because the Gemara knows the consequences of promising people that the Mashiach would come on a specific date. What happened to these people when the date came and the Mashiach did not come? All the excitement and the anxiety and the expectation and people actually making big changes in their life, knowing in one week or in one month the Mashiach is here, what's the point, why should I even walk, why should I even get married, all kinds of things like that. And when the time comes and nothing happens, the people have a huge setback in their fate. Some of them actually go off the derech, completely lose their religion. That's why one of the conditions in the world, no human being whatsoever is a prophet. At least not for the last 2,000 years. The Gemara says after the destruction of the second temples, temple, there is no prophecy anymore among the Jewish nation and among the Goim. 
no more prophecies. The only prophecy you can hear here and there is maybe from a mouth of a young kid, a baby that says something. It could be a message from Shamaim or from people that are brain damaged, what we call autistic or Down syndrome, which sometimes from their mouth you are able to hear or from their hands when they type, you are able to hear things that are about to happen. Shote means a person that cannot tell the difference between good and bad. If you give him a bunch of $10,000 in $100 bills, he's going to stand on the street and the kids will come to him, give me, give me, and he's going to give it to them without realizing what he's doing. Or a person that will take all his money and just throw it away, give it here, give it there, in one shot. That means he lost his mind. Right? So that's called shoteh. That's the indication to know who's a shoteh. Shoteh doesn't mean someone that doesn't know math or someone who never learned Torah. That's amaretz. That's something else. Sometimes a person can be very stupid. His brain is not functioning. His memory is not working. That's not a shoteh. Because if you're going to tell him, give me, give me all the money you have. No, no. Why should I give you? Oh, when it comes to money, his brain works. But if he will give it out to strangers on the street, that's when you know that his, his brain doesn't work and he cannot tell the difference between good and bad and therefore is not liable to his actions and there's no punishment to someone like that. In other words, it could be autistic, Down syndrome, people that cannot tell the difference and they may give it. Because all very young kids that they don't know the value of money. So that's called shotim vektanim. Since none of the rabbis today is in this category, they're not shotim, so they cannot be prophets. And since they cannot be prophets, every time they try to pretend that they are prophets, they're creating a very big damage to the world. Not only rabbis, anyone who pretends that he has the power to predict the future is making a huge damage and it's against Hashem's will. Hashem doesn't want people to give prophecy. And definitely no guarantees and no promises. However, you're allowed to predict the future based on common sense. And that's why I always tell you, based on what's happening right now, when something, the virus just started over a month ago. Right? If you remember, I don't know if you remember, in one of the lectures we made right here, we posted it online on January 1st, approximately a week before the first case was found in China. Nobody knew that there would be a virus. But sometimes in, uh, when you speak, Hashem puts words in your mouth, especially when it goes viral all over the world. He wants to send a message. So if you remember, in the lecture that I gave here, I spoke about SARS 2003, and I ask, I don't understand how it disappeared. How all of a sudden it disappeared. It could have destroyed the whole world. One virus can destroy the whole world. In my film, The Purpose of Life, which I made in 2015, five years ago, you have a part over there, over a minute, that I spoke about a virus that will come and destroy the world. Is this a prophecy? No, I'm not a prophet. There's no prophets in the world. But when you speak, 
words of Torah, if Hashem wants to send a message to the world, He push it into your mouth for millions of people to hear. And they tell the friends, and it spreads to all over the world that this is a possibility, and it happened. I'm not saying that Hashem decided to destroy the world. Actually, no. I think, based on what I see, and based on what I know, that it's a very serious final warning. It's a massive warning now, and I'm going to go into it soon. But, like I said, so we spoke here in uh, the end of December, and we posted it on January 1st, that by one virus, the whole world can be shut down. And exactly a week later, it started. Once we found out that people in China begin to die from this virus, that's when I saw already where it's going. The Gemara says, Someone that knows Torah, someone that is considered to be Chacham, even in our days, no one is a real Chacham compared to the time of the Gemara, but according to today's generation, it's considered a Chacham. So the Gemara says, A sign of wisdom is to be able to see the beginning of a process right now when it looks very minor, to see where it's going to be in a month or two. That was very, very easy. Once you know there is such a thing, a virus that goes through the air, and everyone who comes near you can catch it, and it's so contagious, to the point that a week later people fall and die on the streets, it wasn't so difficult to predict what's going to happen. That's when I told you that soon it's going to come here, and it's going to be closing all the flights and all the places. And then three weeks ago, I said to everyone to stack their house with food, because I already saw once people get into panic mode, their brain doesn't work anymore. And people, I said, if you remember, you can go check in the lecture that people would stand 10 hours online. I said it three weeks ago and people laughed, 10 hours online in a supermarket? You have to see now videos that people send me, people standing three huge blocks with cards to enter the supermarket. Forget about the line to the register. Just to enter the supermarket, you have to wait two days online to enter. 7 a.m., all the supermarket has 1,500 people waiting online, running in, grabbing things, fighting fist fight for toilet paper, cursing each other, pulling each other's hair. You had to see something like this you never saw in the history of the world. And I told you that three weeks, that that's what's going to happen. Now, where is it going to continue to go? That's what the lecture is about. And this lecture is not discouraging. It also has some light in the end of the tunnel. So you can uh, relax a little bit. Because there's also good news about this whole thing. But we're going to go by the right order, step by step. Hopefully the two hours will be enough to finish everything. So, first of all, we have to know what Hashem is doing. When you see things happen in the world, the first thing you have to think, what do you want, Hashem? What happened all of a sudden? What, ha what happened to 7 billion people? You shut down everyone. You're going to make half of the people in the world become poor in a week or two or three. You're going to make so many people get sick. You're going to make so many people die. You're going to make so many companies go bankrupt. You're going to make a, a, such a situation, chaos in the world. And again, remember, the virus is X amount of people get sick and die. 
that's nothing compared to the amount of people that lives in the world. It won't even get to 1%. It's not like 1918 that more than 50 million people died. There was more than 5% of the people in the world. The world didn't have 7 billion people 100 years ago. So when 50 million people died in a Spanish uh, uh, plague, th this amount was, to, like today, like 350 million people. Everybody understand if 350, people million, um, 350 million people will die now in a world today, that's definitely the end of the world. How the world's going to function with such tragedies? They have bodies everywhere you go, in every block. So obviously, that's not as bad as it was. But on the other hand, where did you see the world reacts like this financially, and everything is shut down? You can go anywhere. You can gather more than 10 people. As a matter of fact, in New York right now, you can gather up to 50 people in a place. But give it a day or two, then would lower it to 10, like in Israel. In Israel right now, it cannot be 10 more Ten people, more than 10 people in one room. It's very interesting because you see people praying on the street outside of the synagogue and everybody stands far away from each other. What is the message over here? What is the message over here? I tell you, first of all, I make sure you can't speak in the middle of davening because everybody stands far away from each other. You can't sit next to your friend like he entered the entire three hours on Shabbat and speak. Everyone is far and people are afraid to talk to each other, mouth to mouth, close to each other. So nobody talks. The whole world became Shomer Negiah. Everyone is Shomer Negiah. Everyone is religious. All people are afraid to shake hands, afraid to hug, afraid all of these things. The whole world became Shomer Negiah. What else? All the movies, all the theaters that spreads the zima, the znut, the prostitution, the lack of modesty, are all shut down. All the mixed parties in the world, all over the world, are all shut down. All the gay parades in the world are all shut down. Every place of wicked people gathering together, it's all destroyed. All the mixed dancing weddings are all cancelled. Now, it's not only the mixed dancing. Religious weddings are also cancelled. Now we have to think. Non-religious weddings, Hashem hates. He doesn't like men and women mingling, dancing together with lack of modesty. But what happened in a religious wedding? Between you and me, let's check the weddings of the last 10-15 years. You go to religious weddings, they're not that much different than secular wedding. Maybe they have mechitza, most of the time is not kosher. Some people move it. The DJ play goish music. All the women dress as shimirachem, not all, most. Very high heels, tons of makeup, tons of perfume, very loud, screaming, dancing like goyot. All kinds of Zumba style and the rest of their nonsense. And slowly, slowly, Hashem saw that his old children becoming goyim all over the world, even the religious people. Davening is not davening. The yeshivas are under attack. All the yeshivot are closed. 
almost all yeshivot right now are all closed. By tomorrow, another day or two, they'll force the rest of the yeshivot to close. The authorities, they went today to Israel to some big yeshivot and forced them to close down. You can't go against the police. The police can't, can arrest you. So people have to hide and learn. Two people, one ha- soon, we're not going to be able to come out of the house. So if you're lucky and your friend lives in the same building, he'll be able to come and sit with you and you and him learn. But you can't, have, you cannot go to yeshivot. What's going to happen after this whole process? More than half of the avrechim in the world will be kicked out of the yeshivot system. Hashem is going to keep only the very serious learners. There are people that sit in yeshivot and are not serious. They learn, they don't learn, they joke, they speak about nonsense, they come late. Why they went there? Because they want to get a good shiduch. They're not really because they want to learn. Well, over there you find a nice shiduch. So what did Hashem do? Attack the yeshivot as well. So everything is being attacked. Everything. Sport is all destroyed. There's not one sport activity in the whole world now. All the stadiums are empty. All the teams will go bankrupt. Few more weeks, all the owners of the teams, they pay tons of salaries to the players. Millions of dollars each player makes a year. It's all based on income. Every game they have 20, 30,000 fans. Each fan pays hundreds of dollars a ticket. And most of the money comes from advertisement, from TV and from companies. All the advertisement industry is frozen. Nobody advertises. Who can spend on advertisement if they don't know if they're going to be in business next month? So all the advertisements stop. All the stadiums that each one of them cost hundreds of millions of dollars to build are all empty. Many of the players in the NBA, in the Israeli league, in the soccer league are already sick with corona. Some of them in serious condition. Even the young are still in serious condition, some of them. So Hashem destroyed the sport. But not only destroy the sport that people are so addicted to and they sit home now going crazy in Israel because there's nothing to watch. There's nothing to watch besides depressing news. There's now one game to watch. They're going crazy. All the leagues stop, all the final games, everything stops in the middle. Did you ever see such thing in the history of the world? I don't think that in the time of the hunger in Egypt that the world was shut down like the way it was now. The only thing was hunger. There was no food. But then you went to Egypt and you buy food and you lost a lot of money. That's it. But everything else functioned. Now it's nothing is functioning. They announced in Rockland County that as of tomorrow they don't make passports anymore. You can't even get a passport. If you want to get up when they finally, if they renew the flight, if, they will, if the virus will go away and they renew the flight, and you want to get on a plane with your family and your children and run away, and one of them will not have a valid passport, who knows when they're going to start making passports? They don't know. Right now they, they're going to start making passports. You don't know where it's going to head, where it's going to continue to go. All cruise companies, they're all going bankrupt now. No cruises, no vacations, no resorts. Everything is dead. All theaters, Broadway, 42nd Street over there. This whole area with the lights is all dead now. All the stores are closed. It's dead. You cannot believe how Manhattan looks at night. There's nothing left. 
all the university, the source of evilness and heresy against God, the source of all the heresy in the world, the universities are all shut down. Also all public schools, all shut down. Every place they teach you, you came from the monkey, there's no God, you fanatic, what you believe in. Hashem destroyed them all. Do you know what's going on over there? What's going to happen? You wait, there's going to be millions of lawsuits about tuition to get back what people paid because they're going to all be bankrupt. They're not going to pay back the money to the student. The student have student loans. They're going to want to get their money back for the few months they didn't learn. It's going to be a big mess. Wait, the, the problems will only accumulate. It's not going anywhere. Also, people that were sent home without pay. A lot of companies... They send people home. They don't pay them salaries. Big problem. These people, in a month or two, they're not going to have food for their children. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to go to the supermarket if you have savings. They're going to wait for you by the parking lot. And they're going to ask you to give them food. And if you're not going to give them food, they're going to break a bottle and cut your neck. What do you think is going to happen? You're not going to have choices. It's going to be these gorillas coming to you in the parking lot. Listen, man, I have four kids at home. Give me, give me food. He's going to try nicely. If you don't give him, he's going to kill you or attack you or grab your food. That's what's going to happen. I have a student. He was a, he was a player in the NBA. He moved to Israel. He went to the league in Europe. And then he injured his knee. And he played six games and injured his knee. Then they send him to a surgery in, in uh, New York. The surgery was in New York by a specialist. And the recovery is in Los Angeles. The special recovery takes a few months to recover. So he has to go twice a week for special treatment on his knee. He asked me yesterday and today, what should I do? Should I go back to Israel? I asked him, what's in Israel is better than here? What we get here, that's what you get there. Actually, over there, you can gather more than 10 people. Here, you still have 50. That's one thing. Second, in Israel, the, the situation in Israel that there are already a lot of people that cannot leave their house. A large percentage of the people are locked in their homes. They arrested few people on the street. So what's the difference, I ask him? You're going to stop your treatment in the middle? It's like you didn't do anything. Then I told him something he didn't think about. I told him, and someone like you is going to be even more dangerous. Why? Because a stranger, an Israeli that goes back to Israel, nobody knows him. You walk in the street, no one will bother you. But you, everybody know you're rich. You made millions in their career. All the miserable people on the street, hundreds of them will come. Give me money, give me money. You have millions, you don't care. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? People will come to you on the street. You're famous. They're all going to come to you. They're going to tell They're going to start cursing you. They're going to start insulting you if you're not going to give them what they want. You say, wow, I didn't even think about it. You're right. If you're famous, if you're a movie star now, you walk in the street and people are looking in the garbage for food. They see some millionaire walking in the street. What do you think? They're going to all go. Give me money. Give me food. We all hope that we're not going to get to this kind of situation. And soon we're going to see how we will maybe be, as Rat Hashem will be able to avoid it. But let's move on. So, like I say, churches are all closed. 
mosques are all closed, meaning Hashem said to all the people in the world, I don't want your prayers. Us also. Synagogues, many of them are closed. Or they make small minyanim, ten here, ten there, like I told you, outside. Many people started to pray alone. It's very interesting. Why? When you pray in minyan, the prayers go express. Even if you don't deserve that Hashem will accept your prayers, the fact that you pray in minyan, the prayer goes express. So thanks to the group, Hashem is, he must take your prayers. That's the rule. When you pray alone, they check very carefully who you are. And if you have tons of sins, don't be surprised why you pray and pray and pray and so far nothing has happened. Why? Because the Satan is mekatreg. But if it's in a minyan, it goes express. So what did Hashem do? made us unable to pray in Minyanim. Because then he's going to be forced to listen to our requests. So what did he do? Broke us to be isolated. Now it's much, much, much harder to get. Why? Because I check who you are. You Shomer Shabbat? Barely. You Mades? Not at all. You honest? Not at all. You have devotion? You have faith? Nothing. So what do you expect? That everything you're going to request from me, I'm going to give you? It's not so simple. So, the pasuk in Parashat Bechukotai, the very disturbing pasuk, Ve'ifkadti alechem behala, I will throw panic on you, is happening 100%. Ve'ifkadti alechem behala, behala means that everyone lives in fear and panic. This is a pasuk in Parashat Bechukotai. It happened 100%. Now, we are in a situation, Erev Pesach. You know what's Erev Pesach? We're almost in Pesach, two weeks from Pesach. Do you remember what happened moments before the salvation? Moments before we came out of Mitzrayim. The last few hours. What did Hashem say to the Jewish people? Go into your homes, lock yourself in, take blood from the goat, put it on the frame of the door, and wait inside the door, inside the house, for the geula, for the salvation. This is exactly what Hashem is doing now. He puts us all in isolation, quarantine, in houses, moments before Pesach is arriving. So we have what to look for, the Chag Geula. We hope to have the miracle by then. Then, they're working very much all over now to find vaccine. Thousands of people trying to find vaccine. Some already testing vaccines, meaning there is a chance maybe they will prove that it saves X amount of people. If a, if a thousand people have it and 300 people will get cured, that's also a good vaccine, better than nothing. Some vaccine is almost 100%. I wonder to myself, when they finally come up with a vaccine, probably the Israelis, when they come up with a vaccine that once you get it, you get safe from Corona, you have nothing to be afraid of. Remember all these people that drill in our head, no vaccine, no vaccine. I wonder if they're going to take the vaccine or not. What do you think? Huh? 
That's when you test the person if he's really honest or not. Ah, flu, it's no big deal. Most people live. They don't die. Most people. Any other disease, no big deal. So we can manage with that. So we'll be in bed for a week or two. But when something like this happens, hundreds of people dying every day, and you can function, you can go anywhere, you can enter a place, and you know getting a little shot or a pill or I don't know what will make it go away and save businesses and bring everything back to the way it was. And the stock market will go right back after going down almost 40% in two weeks. And the oil prices, if you remember, I told you, will go down below 30 when it was 55 a barrel. It's 29 now, 28. Everything goes down. So when everything, there's an opportunity to save the world, I wonder all these people who've been fighting vaccine, if they're going to have also the same demonstrations against the vaccine or they look the other way. What do you think is going to happen? That's a good question. You know, in the Torah, it says that when Hashem told us that we're going to go to Israel, He's going to kick the seven nations, the seven cursed nations of the idol worshippers, Goim, that live there. Hashem said that He's going to kick them away, but not in one shot. Slowly, but slowly, slowly. Why not in one shot? Why not in a week? Get rid of everyone and that's it. Because Hashem said, if I will kick them all in one shot, all the bad animals will come. If you remember, once I asked this in a lecture, what's the connection now to bad animals? You want to get rid of them, why the animals will come? Because remember, animals, animals, they come when people vacant the place. When there are people there, they're afraid to come. So they go to the forest, to the desert, whatever. When people leave the town, the animals feel secure now to come in. If all the goim in one shot will get killed in these areas, if Hashem will bring something and they're all going to fall and die, it's a massive amount of animals coming to eat their bodies, to do all kinds of things. In Thailand, Thailand is a place of tourism. A lot of people go to Thailand. It's a country that attracts a lot of tourism. Why? There's a lot of not modest things happening over there. Lots of bad things. Plus, the views there supposedly are unbelievable. The views of the places over there if you go on a trip. So now there's not one tourist going to Thailand. There's no flights. Nobody goes. So you know what happened? Thousands of monkeys are attacking the local people. Attacking them viciously. Monkeys can be very aggressive. Why are they attacking the Thailandi people? Because these monkeys got used to all the tourists feeding them things. Bananas, peanuts million tourists over there every month. They see all the monkeys over there. They throw to them all kinds of things. Now nobody comes. So who they demand their food from? From this local Thailandi. So they have now fear walking in the area where the monkeys come. They come in group. They, if you hold something and you eat, danger over there. Unbelievable. 
That reminds me about the verse in the Torah that the Torah said, I'm not going to get rid of all the people in one shot because if everyone will go away, these animals will fill up the place. Then you understand everything is calculated by Hashem. Now, we have to continue to investigate. Soon I'm getting to the solution to our problem. But before we get to the solution, let's continue to investigate. A virus comes to the world. Where does it start? China. After China, when is the next hot place with lots of cases? Italy. The third place, Iran. China, Italy, Iran. Very interesting. India is close to China. Almost nobody there got it. Very close. Russia is close to Iran, to other places. Almost nobody got it there. You can count maybe few people. Very interesting. China, thousands of people got it. Probably many more that they don't even know, that they just had fever at home. They didn't even bother to come. And thousands over there died. And in Italy also the same thing. Every day hundreds of people dying. We have to think. Why, why Hashem attacked those three places the most? Now you can join Spain into the group. Spain also is going now full force. After Spain it will be Germany. Why this is the order? First attack against China. China is the symbol of what? Atheism. Almost all Chinese people are atheists. They don't believe in God. Some of them are Christians. Some of them are Buddhists. Most of them are atheists. It's communist country. Communism is anti-God, as you know. Religion in China is against the law. They publish in China, if you find a religious gathering and you tell the government about it, you will get a reward. Meaning the top priority in China, one of the top priorities is to fight religion. You want to fight religion? You have a problem with me. First attack went on China. It's true, they also eat animals, they don't kill them, ever minachai, and all kinds of other things, which only add to the problem. But the main problem in China, atheism. God does not exist in 90-something percent of the people over there. And you have close to 2 billion people there. One and a half billion official count, and another 500 million under the table. Kids that were born in China with no ID. Because you cannot have more than one kid per family. So everyone who wanted to have another kid had to give birth hiddenly without making any document to that kid. So there are millions of people in China that don't have a name by the authority. No social security, no nothing. They don't exist. Same thing in America, by the way. In America, you have tens of millions of people that do not exist in a system. Illegal immigrants. Israelis, Russian, Indian, Chinese, Arabs, Europeans, they came to America, they had a visa for three months, 
and they stayed, and that's it. They're not in a system. They don't have a social security. They don't exist. If the government will go into the record who entered America and did not go out, they know they're somewhere in America. But there's no record of them. So China was the first one. Italy, the heart of Christianity. Idol worshipping spreads it all over the world. The Romans destroyed Bet HaMikdash, robbed all the Jewish treasures from Bet HaMikdash and took it to the Vatican. Under the Vatican, you have seven floors of Jewish treasure from Bet HaMikdash. You have hundreds of hundreds of handwritten books by the biggest rabbi in the last 2,000 years. Handwritten. Books that are worth billions and billions of dollars if you accumulate all of them. You have the trumpets of Bet HaMikdash, the altar, the menorah, all the original things that are mentioned in the Torah. You actually have it under the ground over there. And they're holding it until now. Everything there. Second place, Hashem attacked Italy. Third place, the source of all evil in the world. The most radical Muslim country in the world that is in charge of 99% of the terrorism in the world. Almost all the terrorism in the world somehow, directly or indirectly, connects to Iran. The attacks, the mass murder, people are bombing places all over the world, rockets falling on Israel from the Hamas and Hezbollah every day. Everything is from Iran. The source of all evil, Hezbollah, everyone, they sponsor everything. They butcher their own people, they don't care about their own people, and they have one mission. What is the mission? To get an atomic bomb that they can wipe out Israel and maybe even go against America. What did Hashem do? Thousands of Iranians falling on the streets and dying. You have to see some videos that people send me from Iran. Hard to believe. Mamash, people laying down on a sidewalk and dead and people are afraid to touch them. That makes the problem even worse. You need to wait for special people with all these things, you know, to come with gloves and pick them up and they go and burn those bodies. It's crazy. The source of all evil, all these ayatollahs, one by one, getting it and dying. It will take Israel 500 years to get to them. In two weeks, they all got wiped out, one after the other. Even Nasrallah from the Hezbollah got corona. Even he got it. So far I did not hear he died. Let's see. What's the next one? Germany. I don't have to say anything about Germany, obviously. Spain. Sorry. Spain. Germany is after Spain. Spain is the fourth one right now. Spanish Inquisition. Torture all the Jews. Stole all their property. Kick them out from Spain made an impact on the entire world that people would run after Jews and kill them. The Spanish Inquisition. Spain today is after Italy a little bit. Also, thousands of people getting it there. Next one, Germany. Everything Hashem does is deep. Everything. The difference between us and Hashem, we cannot wait a minute 
to retaliate to someone that hurt us. By tomorrow we, we already lose our mind if we can do anything. But Hashem is not like us. He doesn't have limitations. He's not going out of his mind until he's going to give people what they deserve. He has a lot of patience. Everything is computerized by him. It's not, oh, oh, even though in the Torah Hashem speaks to us in a language that we understand, I'm fuming, my nose is fuming, my anger is rising, I will destroy them, I will punch them with my hand. It's all metaphoric. It's for us to understand what he refers to. Otherwise, how is he going to speak to us in a divine language? We won't understand anything. It's not that Hashem really sits or cries or is angry or is shouting. Or In his actions, it looks like it. When you see such a massive problem and the whole world is in a major judgment right now, there's no question about it. But right now there's massive anger against all the people in the world. Against almost everybody. Almost every country. Everyone lives in fear. Just the fear alone, even if nobody died. Just the fear alone, just the financial damage, that all the weddings that get cancelled, all the parties that get cancelled, all the plans, everything, all the pleasure of the people, everything got cancelled. This is a very serious judgment. Every fool understands now that the level of anger of Hashem is the highest perhaps it's ever been. Now, now, another thing that happened a few days ago in Israel, there was a hurricane. When did you hear there's a hurricane in Israel? A massive hurricane. Where? In Elat. Elat and Tel Aviv are the two most wicked cities maybe in the world. Not only in Israel. Elat, it's all beaches, whole parties and hotels and all the tourists from all over the world coming there. It's all beaches with nude people, all kinds of terrible things. Inside Elat. One day, Hashem wiped out the entire Elat. Hundreds of millions of shekel damage. All the beaches are all destroyed. Everything. The hotels, everything by the beach was all destroyed. You had to see the videos. A trampoline from a building that stands on a roof. Trampoline, it's metal. The wind took it and it flew in the air. And it fell eight floors down on the road and started to roll. And there was a car over there. And he came to that car. It's, it's all metal. That's going to destroy the car. It's unbelievable how it skipped the car. And the driver continued to drive. Every person has an address. Every virus, microscopic virus in the air floating waiting for the next person to come there in an hour. There were people before there. It did not go into their nose. It passed near. It passed around, above, under. It went on a shirt. It did not enter the mouth or the, or the, or the nostrils. But the next person who came, even sometimes nine hours later, that someone sneezed in that room, 
He comes and he goes in and now Hashem decides if he die or not. Every bullet has an address. Every wind that goes and destroyed has an address. Even though it looks very much like that it's all random and you happen to be there. Or like some people say coincidence, it's all baloney. Nothing is coincidence. Everything is precise to where Hashem wants it to go. Now let's move on and see what the Torah has to say about pandemics. What's considered pandemic? The Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Elazar, Baravina, En Poranut Baalaolam, every tragedy that comes to the world, Ela Bishvil Israel, come for one purpose. Besides punishing the goyim of all the evil that they do, the main purpose of this tragedy is 100% for the Jewish nation. They asked the Chafetz Chaim 100 years ago in Radin, Rabbi, you heard what happened in China? I was in a world with internet and media like today. So there was a very, very big news. Nobody knew about it in Radin. Did you hear what happened in China? What? In China, they have a special dam over there, like blocking the water, or what do you call it? Yeah? Dam. Okay, so it blocks the water from coming and flooding the whole town. It broke. And water covering the whole area. So Hafez Chaim asked him, when you hear someone in China screaming in Yiddish, who is he talking to? To Chinese people? Or to somebody Jewish out there? If you see someone in China screaming Yiddish, what does he expect? That Mr. Bruce Lee will understand what he say? No. For Bruce Lee to understand what he say, he needs to speak Chinese. If he speaks in Yiddish or in Hebrew in our time, who is he referring to? To the Jewish people. The Chafetz Chaim meant to say, when a dam in China is exploding and breaking and floods coming all over and thousands of people flooded away, who does Hashem scream to, to wake up? The Chinese atheist? They don't even believe there is a God. When they see something like this happen, What's in their mind? Wow, look how bad they made the dam. We're all going to die now. They don't look at that. Wow, Hashem is punishing us. Let's check why. Maybe we eat the rats before we kill them. Maybe we're still in a business. Maybe we're all atheists. Maybe some of us are idol worshippers. Maybe, maybe, maybe. No, they're not thinking like this. In the mind of a Chinese person, he doesn't think like that. So the Chafetz Chaim say, why Hashem made a tragedy in China? Or in Europe, or in America, or in Iran? For whom? For us. And that's the Gemara say. Gemara say, everything you see in the world is 100% for who? For my children to wake up. Where does it say it? Listen carefully. Tzfania, the prophet Tzfania, chapter 3, verse 6. Ichrati goim 
I destroy the Gentiles, the Goim. Nashamu Pinotam. Everything is empty after the destruction. Ichrafti Chutzotam. I destroyed their streets. Amarti. I said, look at me and learn the lesson. Who is the prophet talking to? To the Jewish nation. Let me translate. The prophet come to the Jewish nation. Prophet Zephania. He said, Hashem said, I brought a tragedy to the Goim. I destroyed their places. I hoped that you will see and learn the lesson because you deserve just as bad. But before I strike on you, first I wanted you to do tshuva by seeing what's the end of them. In Israel, not only we don't learn the lesson, sometimes we're worse than them. Not sometimes, most of the times. Look what's going on. As we speak, Israeli three general that were in charge of the Israeli army. Chief of command. All the Israeli arsenal, planes, tanks, thousands of soldiers, Mossad, spies, intelligence, everything under the decision of these three clowns. One idiot after the other. They were in charge of the Israeli army. You don't become the chief of the Israeli army if you are a moron. Apparently you are. Those three generals today are begging 15 Arab terrorists to join them to form a government. When the Arab terrorist has a list all the way from here to Monsi of how many things they want. If you go to the Hezbollah and ask the Hezbollah to make a government in Israel together with you, they would not have half of their demands. You have to see the demands, what they want. They want all Arabs to return to Israel, another two, three million Palestinians. They want ten times more money for their schools. They want to release a lot of prisoners. They want them to sign that they will never attack in Gaza if they shoot rockets. Then <laughs> you have to see, it's Mamash 15 Hamas terrorists sitting in Israel in the government. And their hate to Bibi Netanyahu is so much that they're willing to destroy Israel just to get him out of power. And those are the three clowns who were charging Israeli army in the last 20 years. Now you understand when Hashem says in the Torah, there is nobody to count on by me. Do you understand that now? When you see all these years that we've been fighting these Arab terrorists, who were in charge of our army, another trader, a trader that's sitting with Arab politicians that scream that it's no problem to kill Israelis. And everyone who does it is holy. They sit in Israeli Knesset and speak like that. And they ask them, come, let's make a government together. This is as we speak right now. But, let's move on. In the time of David Amelech, there was an epidemic. 
There was an epidemic. How many people died in Israel every day? More than today, Baruch Hashem, today, compared to then. So far, 350 Israelis are declared as having corona. Baruch Hashem, nobody died. Four are in difficult condition. Not critical, but hard condition. Two are in so-so. Not light, but not hard. And everybody else, more than 300, in very easy condition, like regular flu, with fever and cough. The damage, as I say, it's not casualties or death. The damage is that everybody in Israel is basically off, out of work, everyone is locked in their rooms, everything goes bankrupt, and it, it costs hundreds of billions of shekel, so far already. But in the time of David HaMelech, every day, 100 people died. How did David HaMelech solve the problem? Quarantine? No. Mask? No. Shutting the airlines? There were no airlines. Shutting the shuls? No. Shutting the yeshiva? Who will dare to do such thing? Do you know what it means to shut the yeshiva? Let me explain to you something. The Gemara say, Rabbi Akiva say the parable. A mashal. What's the mashal? The fishermen, they come to catch the fish. So they throw their nets everywhere. And they pull. And the fish try to maneuver somehow not to be caught by the net. Some make it. Some not. The fox was standing by the lake, looking what's, how the fish are paranoid and they try to survive. The fox came to the, to the fish and said, Hey, brothers, hey, bros, listen, bro. Why don't you come up to the land and be with me here? Like this, you're going to get safe from these cruel fishermen that try to hunt you with their nets. The fox is a snake, you know. It's very sneaky. The fish told him, you are the fox that everyone said that you are the most clever animal in nature. You're not clever. You are the dumbest. Why you are the dumbest? Here, in a place that we have tools to deal with our problem and prevent it and perhaps we'll get saved. Maybe yes, maybe not. But we have a way to swim, to run, to try to get saved. We know how to swim in the water. We are so worried. Maybe we won't make it. If we go up to the land, for sure we'll all be dead. What's the mashal? Rabbi Akiva said that mashal to one person named Papus. Papus was a modern orthodox person from the University of Manhattan. He told Rabbi Akiva, why you teach Torah? Don't you know that the kingdom of Romi that was sent here by Hashem to control Israel, they made a decree that we're not allowed to learn Torah and someone that will teach Torah will be put to death? So how are you not afraid to teach Torah? Why are you going against the world of the, the, world of the Goim? 
So Rabbi Akiva gave him this mashal, you fool. Right now, the only chance to get safe from the Romans is learning Torah. Teaching Torah and making people do tshuva. That Hashem remove his anger from us and let us live. We have to give tons of tzedakah. Right now is the time to give. Because by, if you're still being stingy, in one or two weeks you may not be around. If you have insurance policy right now, it's only Torah and charity. That's it. And tefillah, of course. You read Tehilim, you pray, you beg Hashem. There's nothing else you can do. Nothing else. No mask, no di- nothing else. So Rabbi Akiva said to this papus, listen, you fool. You want us to give up our number one weapon to get safe from the problem? Now we're going to shut the Torah. The Torah is our life. Someone who sits and learns Torah is protected from all damages. David HaMelech, Hashem told him, you're going to die on Shabbat. Every Shabbat he sat down from the beginning of Shabbat to the end of Shabbat without sleeping. Learn Torah for 25 hours straight every Shabbat. Why? That the angel of death cannot take his soul while he's learning Torah. And every time he came, he couldn't take his soul out. Came back to Hashem. What's going on? You send me on a mission. He doesn't let. I cannot come near him when he learns Torah. And the Gemara said that even when you build Bet HaMikdash, you don't close the yeshivot of the children. You don't put them to strike to come help to build. Why? The only insurance policy we have is this yeshivot that learns Torah. So what do you do now? You panic. You close the yeshivot. But Rav Chaim Kanievsky, the chief rabbi in the world, said not to close the yeshivot. But the authorities don't let, just like the Romans. They send police. And soon they're going to send soldiers. It's a big battle here. So we have to hide and learn Torah like the time of the Romans. We're back to square one. You want to learn Torah, it's illegal now. In gathering, you can only learn in your house. So the question that we have to ask, what's considered a pandemic according to the Torah? You see, I told you, the Torah spoke about everything. Everything the Torah spoke about. What's considered a pandemic? You can come and say flu, it's a pandemic. Millions of people die every year in the world from flu. That could be a pandemic. Why it's not a pandemic? Millions of people die from the virus called flu. But nobody handled it as a pandemic. Nobody goes crazy. So, we have to ask, what is it, what is it a pandemic? How do we define a pandemic? The Gemara spoke about it in Masechet Tani. What's the Gemara says? For every 500 people, how many should die that it will become a pandemic? From every 500 people. The answer, three. Three Every day for three days in a row. That's the definition of pandemic according to the Torah. 
So meaning, you have, a, you have now a place with 500 people. Three of them die today, three tomorrow, and three the next day, three days in a row. Three, three, and three. Three from 500 is 0.6%. Not even 1%. 0.6, a little bit more than half a percent. Meaning, if you have a thousand people, six people in the first day, six in the second, and six in the third. How many? Eighteen. Eighteen out of a thousand is 1.8% in three days from the amount of people in a city. If you have more than that, it's declared as a pandemic. If not, it's the way of life. Sometimes more people die, sometimes less. And the Gemara defined pan pandemic as a disease that comes from the air. Remember, they didn't have microscopes. So they couldn't see a 0.03 micron with the eye. They can't see that. But they, they knew, they were aware that there are viruses that move from people into people's lungs from the air and kill them. And not only that, the Gemara also said that you're not allowed to drink from mouth to mouth. If somebody left a little drink in the drink, don't drink the leftover. Why? Because it's a life risk. This was written before they knew about germs. Nobody knew there's such thing germs. Remember, there are two things. There are germs and viruses. Chaydakim and virusim. But the Gemara already said, how can it be that I'll drink from my brother's mouth, he's alive and I die? How can it be? The Gemara say, he can stay alive, no problem. But you can drink from his mouth and die. And you see today that it happens. So that's the condition. What do you do when you have a pandemic in the city? Besides what we do today, you blow the trumpets. You blow the trumpets. Why the Rambam say when there is a tragedy or there is a war or there is a problem or a lot of people falling and dying, you make a lot of noise. What's the purpose of these trumpets? That everybody will run to the Tehillim and begin to cry to Hashem. 100,000 Jews would read Tehillim a few hours a day. It makes a big impact on the condition. And if the Rambam say that if you don't do anything and don't blow the trumpets and wake up the people to do tshuva, to make repentance, that means that your heart is the heart of a rock. You're not a, it, you don't have a heart of a flesh. Why? Because you look at it as nature. Kofer, infidel. Infidels say it's nature. Germs, viruses, this, that, contagious. A believer, obviously Hashem made the laws of nature. But the laws of nature are bowing down to the decision of the master. And whatever he wants, that's what's happened. When there was an epidemic in the time of David HaMelech, every day a hundred people died, David HaMelech saw in his Ruach HaKodesh that there is one way to save the situation. 
that all Jews will make sure to say 100 brachot every day. Tiken David HaMelech. David HaMelech made a decree that is until today, 3,000 years already, that everybody must say 100 brachot per day. Today, it's not so difficult. You wake up in the morning, Birkot HaShachar, it's almost 20. Right there. You pray three times in Minyan, or even when you pray alone, you say 19 blessings in Tfilat Shmona Esri. Three times 19, 57. Plus the 20 of the morning, already 77 just from the prayers. Then you have Kriyat Shema, two before, one after, it's another three brachot. Then you have Baruch Shamar, and Ishtabach, two more brachot, three, four times bathroom. Then candy, water, food, Birkat Amazon, it's three brachot, once or twice a day. In an average day, you go more than a hundred blessings. Women, when they pray only one time a day, they may have a shortage. They may not reach a hundred, especially if they're on a diet. They don't eat candy, they don't eat too much. So they pray one time, they say Shema, without the brachot of Kriyat Shema. They say Shmona Yisrael, 19 blessing, 20 brachot of the morning, 39. Bathroom three times, 42. What else? Food, this, that, 50. They stuck. They don't reach 100. Women also died, not only men. So what's the solution? Even to taste a little bit. Every hour a sip of water. It doesn't have to be fattening. Drink. Half an hour later, a little bit coffee. Cookie, two crumbs. Just for the brachot. Not that I want to eat cookies. Don't forget, I'm on a diet. So, to bless Hashem. Better solution? Pray twice a day. Shachrit and Mincha. Right there, you have 60 already. With Birkot Hashacha. The rest you get. They get. Perkat Amazon, three times this, that, Amotzi Lechem in Haaretz, Netilat Yadayim. We have to make a hundred brachot, but we have to make the brachot with kavana. Baruch Ata Hashem. I have to think. There is kavanot. Adon Akol, Haya, Oveviye, the master of everything, the past, the present, and the future. Every time you say the name of God when you make bracha. Baruch Ata Hashem, you have to think. Adon Akol, Ayah Ove Viyeh. Elokenu, our God, Takif, Uval Ayecholet Kulam. Strict and has no limitation. Master of all powers. You have to, oh, after a while, it automatically comes to your head. So one solution, 100 brachot per day. Now I'm giving you solutions to the situation. Second solution, when we pray, we have pituma ketoret. In the time of Moshe and Aaron, it's written in the Torah, there was also an epidemic. People were dying. The angel of death, who is in charge of all death, including epidemics, told Aaron a secret, Aaron a Kohen. What's the secret? Make the ketoret, 11 ingredients, spices, that's written in the Torah. They give very good smell. Ten of them are perfume smell. One of them is bathroom smell. 
Why do you push the bathroom into 10 different kinds of expensive perfumes? Why? To teach you that the first 10 must be kosher Jews in a minyan, Shomrei Shabbat, that listening to Hashem. If you want to bring people that behave like the bathroom, they are mechalel Shabbat, they eating taref, they have no emuna, and they got to come to the synagogue, you can count them as 11 and up. But you cannot rely on them as to be one of the first ten. Every minyan must have ten Shomrei Shabbat. If you count on people in a minyan that are not Shomer Shabbat, all the blessings of that minyan is safek brachot levatala. Meaning, it's you're making the name of God, you're mentioning the name of God in vain. All the brachot, the chazan say, Baruch Atah Hashem, and everybody say, Amen, Baruch Hu Shmo. But because you don't have ten Shomrei Shabbat, you're jeopardizing yourself in participating, believe it or not, in a sin. Not in a mitzvah. That's why in some of the books it says that if you see that you are the tenth one in a non-kosher minyan, meaning some of the people that are not Shomer Shabbat, and you see that if you're going to leave now, they won't be able to pray. So you save them from the sins. You run away. Sorry, I have an emergency. I have to run. Why? Because if you stay, because of you, they're going to make a lot of brachot levatala. You're not allowed to make these brachot. You're not allowed to do kedusha. You're not allowed to say all these things. Why? Because these people are not kosher to be part of the minyan. Why? Because Mechalel Shabbat in Shulchan Aruch, it's written seven times. Don't say, I said. I say what Shulchan Aruch and the Rambam say, and the Gemara. Shulchan Aruch, the Jewish book of law, it's written seven times. That the Jew that is not Shomer Shabbat is count 100% like a Gentile. And since Gentiles cannot, cannot be a part of the ten in a minyan, no matter how righteous they are, that's the same thing with this, with this particular Jew that is not Shomer Shabbat. So, when you pray, you have the pitum aktoret. Pitum aktoret ketzad. Right? We say it every day when we pray. There are 11 spices over there. Atzori, v'atziporen, v'achelbena, v'alvona, mishkal shivim shivimane, moruk tziya, v'shibolet nerd, v'charkom. All this list, 11 ingredients, that all together creates this smoke, this fire, of the spices that are burned. It's called the ketoret. Once Aaron went with the ketoret between the dead people to the living people, right away, the magefa, the epidemic, stopped immediately. Today, we're not allowed to make ketoret. We don't have Mishkan and we don't have Bet HaMikdash. And if someone made ketoret for himself, is Isur Karet. If you remember in my 613 commandment series, I spoke about it. You're not allowed to make Shemen Amishcha, the special oil that now we read in the parasha. We just learned in the parasha that the special oil that Moshe Rabbeinu put in all the tools of Bet HaMikdash, this is all the holy things. We're not allowed to make it for ourselves. Oh, let me put it on my children's head, put it in my house against Sainara. You're not allowed. It's also karet. We have to see what happens if there is a time of uh, Pikuach Nefesh. Pikuach Nefesh postpone almost all the, all the mitzvot of the Torah. 
because people are dying. Maybe it will be permitted. But since we don't have Ketoret right now, what should we do? We read the Ketoret. Just like we don't sacrifice cows in the Bet HaMikdash today, the Gemara say, when you cannot sacrifice because you don't have a temple, you read the sacrifices. That's what we do in the morning. Right? All these things, order the nation of Israel to sacrifice to me, Korban Atamid, in the morning, in the evening, the Korbanot, sacrifices. So today, because we cannot actually bring sacrifices as repentance, we read about the sacrifices with our mouth, because it's written, We pay the cows with our lips. There is a way that Hashem made that instead of bringing sacrifices, you can bring sacrifices with your mouth. And that's called the Pitum Aktore that we read in Shachrit and in Mincha. Right? We read it in the morning and we read it when we pray Mincha. What else? Let's see what other solution we have to handle the problem. Then I'm going to give you a cure that will make you very relaxed after tonight's lecture. But I keep it for the end. So, what else can help right now the situation? The Ari HaKadosh say, the Holy Ari, the biggest Kabbalist in the last 2,000 years in the whole world. Once there is a plague, an epidemic or pandemic, or a war, massive war, like world war, the damage cannot touch any person that has 100% full confidence in Hashem. I'm not afraid. What do you mean? I'm, not, I'm afraid only of Hashem. Hashem wants me dead, I'm dead. I will continue to do mitzvot, continue to pray, continue to learn Torah, and I'm not afraid, not on a war, and I'm not afraid of the pandemic. They are, I'm going to read to you the words of the Ari. Sheyesh dever umagefa umilchama lo yachol lishlot anezek en larak al bnei adam sheyesh lahem pachad. The more fear you have, the more you bring it on yourself. We all fall into that category, unfortunately. Mask, this, panic, running, crying, worry, cancelling, hiding the children in a the closet. Then they're going to have to come out of the closet. It's not so good. Yeah, yeah, we do ishtadlut. I didn't say not to go to doctors when you're sick or not to protect yourself when you can. That's not what I said. I just say, what's in your mind? You live in paranoia? You live in fear? I, I told people, I told people, I don't understand. What are you so afraid of? What's the worst can happen? What do you mean? I'm going to die. I said, no. And then what? I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to die. I'm young. I said, but if you die, where are you going to go to? You Shomer Shabbat? Yeah. You learn Torah? Yeah. You give tzedakah a lot? Yes. You're a good person? You're not a crook? Yeah. You believe in Hashem? Yeah. So what's the worst can happen? You go to hell for X amount of time, for the X amount of sins you still have open. You finish with the hell, and then you go to heaven for eternity, and you're done. If you, not, you don't have any open sins, 
because you made tshuva, because you see the situation in the world, you can die any minute, so you really did tshuva. That's a very fantastic situation now to do tshuva. So you fully made repentance. You gave a lot of tzedakah, you made repentance, you started to keep all the mitzvot you didn't keep, and you died. So you go express to heaven. You should pay a billion dollars for it. It's the best thing that happened to you. So what are you so afraid of? To talk is very easy. And it's also very logical. And it's also very convincing to some people. Until it comes to emotions. The emotion overcomes the logic. Especially if you're a woman. Hey, but what's going to be with the children? No, dad, I have to be in the wedding. You know, comes the emotions into the picture. So let me read to you again the words of the Ari, not mine. Someone who overcomes his fear and trust Hashem, and shum nothing bad can touch you, even in the times of plagues and epidemics. Where is it written that you don't say I made it up? Ma'amara bitachon. The article of confidence in Hashem, Veit Chaskut, and become stronger in mitzvot. It's in a book, Shomer Emunim, chapter 2. That's where he brings it, in the name of the Ari. But then we have one question to ask. What happens if you're a wicked person? Is it possible to be wicked and to have confidence in Hashem? It's a little bit of a contradiction. How can a person that have confidence in Hashem be Mechalel Shabbat? Does it go together? How can it be? Uh, uh, for me, it's hard to understand. Some people say in their speeches, if you're wicked, but you still trust Hashem, you have nothing to worry about. A person that trusts Hashem can be wicked? You know there is a God and everything is in his hand, and you dare to fight him and rebel against him? How can it be? If you do that, it's guarantee you don't trust Hashem. Guarantee. Because if you know your boss is the one who's going to decide if to give you now money when he told you to stay home, you will do everything you can not to mess with him. Right? Your food is depending on his uh, signature. So in him, you're not going to dare to mess with him when he's only a human being. Tomorrow he can be dead himself. Or his company can go down. So with someone like that, you won't dare to, to get him angry. So the one that is in charge of your entire life, you dare to go against him? Now, if you're going to tell me, wait a minute, but we have evil inclination. It's not that we want to go against Hashem. You also have evil inclination to go against your boss at work. It's very annoying. He's stingy. He's taking advantage on you. You hate the color of his skin. There's a lot of reasons. But you are a tatale next to him. Mr. X, would you like another cup of tea? Why? You don't want to mess with the one who writes your checks. So how do you mess with the one who writes if you live another second or not? Conclusion, it's all a theory. There's no such thing. If you trust Hashem, you never dare to do such big sins. When the punishment for them in the Torah is eternal death. So the next time when someone comes and tells you such nonsense, oh, if you trust Hashem that he's with you and he's going to protect you, you won't even go to hell. 
do me a favor, enough with your nonsense. So the Ari is speaking only about people that are religious. What is he talking about? Everyone in his time was Shomer Shabbat, Shomer Mitzvot, 500 years ago. But you can be religious and still have fear. Like all of us. Who can raise his hand and say he's not shaking in these days? Everyone is shaking. Doesn't mean you don't believe in Hashem. Doesn't mean you don't know life and death is 100% in his decision. You know all of that. But you worry very much what Hashem is going to do to the world. That's the whole point. They already say, I have nothing to worry. I have to focus on my mission. What's happened, happened. It's not in my hand. If that's the way you think, then you have a special extra insurance not to worry about. Now let's get an advice from the wisest person ever lived. Who is he? King Solomon. In a book of Mishlei 18, Proverbs 18, this is what's written. Ruach Ish, the spirit of a person. Yechalkel Machalehu, the spirit of the person feed his diseases. Why you become sick? Because you have low spirit. You depress. You said you live in fear. You live in lack of confidence in Hashem. No faith. As results of that, you are weak spiritually. When you weak spiritually, your immune system stops to work. Every little virus in the air, immediately you become sick. Not only that, listen to this. If you're down, you said, Who's going to bring it up? Nobody can do it for you. Nobody can cure you. It's 100% in your head to change your entire immune system to become very powerful in an hour. In an hour. What? One good lecture you hear, like tonight. And it can send you all the way skyrocket in your confidence in Emuna. The only problem is that tomorrow morning you need it again. And a few hours later you're going to need it again. Because that's the way the Yetzirah to make you forget. What's important in Avodat Hashem, in serving Hashem, the Yetzirah will make you forget. That's his job. How will he make you forget? Again, the professor from the university with analyzing the situation. Really, in logic, why are we so afraid? Every specialist about the situation say that the only one that dies are people from 80 years old and older. So that's a very small percentage of the people in the world who anyway are ready to leave the world. You're not going to be here forever. Once you're older than 80, oh, oh, you already consider that you're very lucky. Seven years supposed to be an average life. In big shana. If you made it to 80, wow, kiss Hashem non-stop. You got a bonus. So older than 80, it's a double bonus. Double overtime. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. Anyway, any, any day you hear, it's a miracle. So the younger people, what are so afraid of? Oh, now they come and say, wait a minute, no, but 70 years old and older also 
have a high risk if they are sick, diabetic, cancer, HIV, this kind of problems that makes the immune system weak as it is. Now comes this virus and is Makeba Patish, the straw that broke the back of the camel. Another one more virus and the immune system collapsed. People that have HIV, they don't die from HIV. They die from other diseases. HIV doesn't kill. HIV drains the entire immune system to a very low level. That when somebody sneezes next to you, you die. That's what kills you. The flu or the sneezing. Why? Because that's, what, that's exactly the problem right now. If you're diabetic or cancer or all kinds of problems, heart condition, now this virus becomes very, very dangerous for you. That's why in Israel they say everyone older than 70 don't leave the house until a further notice. Top, smart decision. Top. But in the movies that I saw coming from Iran and coming from China, at least half of the people over there were young people. 30, 40, 50, even teenagers. See them dead on the street. How does it go together with what all the doctors in the world claim? I don't know. If the doctors are right, then the majority of the people, what are they living in such a fear? Worse comes to worse, you get a flu. You had it already a few times in your life. So you be in bed one week, you come back to life two weeks later when you finish your quarantine. Why it makes everyone so worried? So the answer is for the people that are sick. They are, they are the ones that will die. But people that sick anyway has high percentage of chance to die. That's why Hashem gave them this disease, to wake them up. And if you think a disease comes to a person by chance, you are an infidel. Because it's written in the Torah, I'm your God, your doctor. The disease that I gave to the Egyptians in Egypt, I will not give you. Because I am your God, your doctor. Meaning, I am the one who gives the diseases, and I am the only one who can take them away. I use doctors, I use medicine, I use pharmacies. Yes, but the final decision is mine, if you get saved or not. So it comes back to the same thing. My hands is not in the hand of this virus, and is not in the hand of the doctor, and is not in the hand of the pharmacy. Is in the hand of who? In the end of Hashem. Now comes the, med, the, the, the subject in the Torah that you have to make an effort. You're not an angel and you cannot rely on a miracle. So Hashem say you have to do everything you can. So if you can do things to improve your immune system, taking vitamin D, vitamin C, things like that, why not? It's lowering my chances to be sick in a natural way. But if you think that that's what's going to save your life, again, it's a thin line between being a believer or an infidel. Why do I take this? That Hashem, it will be easier for Him to save me from the plague without making me a miracle. So tomorrow the scientists will say, oh, you know why you got saved? Because you took non-stop of multivitamin. But what happened for someone who didn't take vitamin? Hashem, if he wants him alive, he will save him without vitamins. The difference would be that Hashem will take away some of his merit because he counts on a miracle. That's the problem. 
That's why we're not allowed to go to places when a lot of gathering of people. Why are you putting yourself in a place of danger? That's why don't get on a plane unless if it's a real emergency that you have to fly. Other than that, don't dare to get on a plane or on a bus or even on a mini bus or anything like that. Why do you put yourself in a time of danger, in a place of danger? Even here tonight, Baruch Hashem, a lot of people came, more than I expected. Smart. Everyone sit in distance with the other. How do you know if the germs of your friend's mouth goes into your mouth? If you are able to smell his breath, then you know that his germs right now going into your system. So if somebody ate garlic, obviously you can smell him from the other side of the room. Okay, so then you know that his germs, even from there, got all the way to you. It has uh, all this uh, unbelievable smell. But normally, you don't smell people from so far, unless they're very close to you. Now, I'm going to tell you, Bezrat Hashem, a physical remedy to the situation. If you get it, don't panic. I'll tell you what to do. After making a serious research, not that I'm a doctor, but I check everything the doctor says and a lot of the videos from scientists that explain about the virus, I started to think to myself, what happened in China? It started with hundreds of people dying every day and it went down to 10 a day now. What happened in China? It should have been thousands every day, and then tens of thousands every day, and then hundreds of thousands every day, and then millions every day. That's the way it should have continued to spread. How it went down now to 10, 15, 17 a day? What happened? There's no vaccine to the best of our knowledge in China. If you think the Chinese have a vaccine and they're hiding it from the world, you know, one of these conspiracies that you hear because they want all the American market to crash, that they can come and buy United States for very cheap, because real estate will be cheap, and the market will be cheap, and stats will be cheap. That's a very nice theory, but there's only one problem that blow up that theory. The Chinese love money just like everybody else in the world, or more. So if a Chinese person will have a vaccine, he will already sell it for $10 billion to United States. Don't worry about it. He doesn't need to wait to buy real estate. He can make $10 billion in five minutes. I have the vaccine. Let me come to America. Let me do a test. I'm not going to tell you the ingredients. Give me 100 people. Each one of them will get a shot. You see, three, four hours later, they get up from the bed, no fever, no nothing, and they go home. I want $10 billion for it. I think Trump would write him the check from his own bank account. If he has something left there. They all got wiped out now. All these billionaires that were in the list, more than half of what they had got lost already. All these billionaires, they lost tons of money. It's a whole new world now. It's a whole new world. Someone that was your boss and considered a multi-millionaire, within two weeks, Hashem made him more poor than you. Because he had a lot of debt to pay and his company got wiped out. For instance, if he had a big hotel, he invested $300 million to build that hotel. And the hotel was very profitable. But that's it now. One month, no orders, nobody comes, huge damage, and the stocks of this hotel went down by 80%. His debt is more than what he owned. 
So you are the one who are cleaning the bathroom in a hotel. Right now have more money than him because you don't have $30 million debt. Because you have 10 hotels. They owe money, mortgages on each one. But the hotels are all collapsed. They're bankrupt. Can't pay the mortgages. And the bank's going to take away the, the hotels. And he's going to left with $30 million debt. Or 20 after they sell the hotels. You understand how Hashem flipped the whole thing in a minute? That the bathroom cleaner can be more more rich now, richer than people that used to be their bosses right now. It's all of course that's an extreme situation but it's very possible. So now what is the solution to this virus? From what I understand viruses hate heat. It's not like Haidakim that loves the heat. Haidakim spreads very much in heat, in a moisty environment. But virus, if it's under zero, meaning below freezing, they can remain for years on the surface. If you sneeze on a table, and the table is standing in a backyard, and you are in a place that is always below zero, meaning always under 32 degrees, always. This virus will stay on the table for 20 years. Everyone who come and touch the table and touch his nose can get corona from there. What happens when the temperature rises? What is the temperature that kills the coronavirus? Who knows? 133 degrees. Like Arizona desert. It gets there to that temperature. Here in New York, the maximum I think we ever got is 110, 112. We don't get to 133. How much it is in Celsius in Israel temperature? 56 degrees. It happens in a lot, 50 something. But it doesn't have to come to that temperature. The harder it gets, the less the virus spreads. Now we are in March, almost end of March. All we need is Hashem to have mercy on us in April to have one good hot day and already it's going to bring a lot of this amount of people that get infected down. But you don't have to wait that far. You should know, if your throat hurts, it's not a sign you have corona. There was a mistake they made three weeks ago. Now they already know there's no connection. Throat and corona have nothing to do with each other. What you do have is cough, fever, and hard to breathe. Those are the only symptoms. Throat could be something else. You can have angina, you can have strep, you can have something else. If you feel fever, that means right now you are getting the disease. While you're having fever, the body reacts. He raises the, the temperature to fight the virus. Apparently, this virus is a killer. X amount of fever in a body that is not enough to kill it. So what's the solution? Listen carefully. You take a hair blower, you know this hot hair blower, and you put a spray bottle, fill it up with water, like cool water a little, not too cold, cool water, and a hair blower. You open up your mouth, you blow hot air into your throat, for about half a minute, 20 seconds, until you really feel that your throat gets very, very hot inside, 
But it can go on and on and on. It's gonna burn your, it's gonna burn your skin. So every time you feel that it's too hot, you can't take the heat. You take it out and you spray inside a few times. The water will relax the skin, and then you do it. All you have to do, if you do not know for sure you got it, you have to do it twice a day for five minutes. Five minutes, you heat up the throat. Because remember, when the coronavirus penetrates the body, first it goes to the throat. It sticks to the throat, and then later on it goes inside to the lung when we breathe. We keep pulling it inside more and more and more. So if you do what I told you, it will kill the virus before it went into the throat. Immediately. If you already got it, meaning you already have fever and you're coughing, you have to do it five times a day for two days maximum. And it's dead and it's guaranteed. They made an experiment, a lot of the people that did it. There are other solutions to drink all the time to make your mouth not dry and to drink hot things and burn the throat. That can also help, but there's no guarantee over here. This way I told you, it's a guarantee thing. You do it and it kills it. And Bezrat Hashem, hopefully we won't need it, but you should know you have this option because a lot of people don't know. If you count on the hospitals to take care of you, you are dreaming. There's no more beds. In Israel, always, already nobody, they told people, don't come. Come after the fever, go away. Why? We don't want to catch it, the doctors. When the fever is on, that means it's the most contagious. When the fever is on. Wait until the fever is over, then come. Why? They're going to help you to breathe. I don't know if they sell all kinds of oxygen, masks, if you can buy one of them, chas v'shalom, in case you have difficulty breathing, so you breathe through this mask. No. Technically, there's nothing they can do for you in a hospital. It's not that they have a medicine for it. They can only help you to breathe better, and that's it. They don't have antibiotic doesn't help. Now, do you want pills to reduce the fever? Who say it's a good thing? If Hashem made the human body that every time there is an attack against your immune system, the body knows to fight it by raising the temperature. Taking Advil because you're lazy and you're too spoiled, you don't want to suffer for a day or two, the heat and shaking in bed and feeling some pain, that's stupid. That's not a good thing. You're going against a sham system to fight germs and, and viruses. If the body gets fever, that means that's what the body needs. In the old days, they didn't have all these pills. When people had fevers, the most they could have done, they take a towel with some cold water and put it on their face. Just to cool the face a little bit. But it's good that inside the body it's going to be a hot temperature. Because that's right away now is a war between the virus to the immune system. But remember, all diseases come from a weak immune system. Weak immune system come from depression, sadness, lack of faith, low spiritual level, anxiety, fear, what's going to be, I'm going to die, I'm going to do this, I'm going to lose my money, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose, what's going to happen, we'll be on the street. The more you think like a loser, the more your immune system become weak. And when your immune system stops to work, every little attack against you can kill you. 
What's the solution to prevent from those viruses to enter the body? You be happy. You trust Hashem. Focus on your Torah. Focus on your prayers. Focus on your tzedakah. Now, as I told you last week, two weeks ago, it's the most important time in the history of your life to give tzedakah. Because the spiritual insurance is charity. Tzedakah tatzil mimavet. I have one guy in Israel, I don't know if I told you about him. He used to be a personal trainer of all the rich and famous. Did I tell you that story or no? He was personal trainer of all these movie stars from TV. Once he became Baal Tshuva from the lectures, he asked me, is it kosher? I'm training husband and wife, all these rich and famous. I asked him, can you train a woman wearing a training or tights and jumping in front of you for 45 minutes without thinking about her? Is it possible? He told me, no, it's not possible. So it's not a kosher job. The Torah does not allow to have a job that makes you make scenes every second while you're walking. Obviously, right? That's every fool understands that. Every job that in order for you to bring money home, you have to go against Hashem, that's not a kosher job. Even being a salesman in a store, in the summertime, if you can't control your eyes, you can't work there. What do you mean? So where am I going to work? I only know how to sell. Don't work with a place that women come, not modest. You can't control your eyes, don't walk in the front. Go walk in the back, go walk in the storage. If you can control yourself, fine, you can walk. If you can't control yourself, you're not allowed to walk. Find a job in front of your computer, trade stocks. Find a job. So, let's conclude, because we have almost seven minutes left. And to make sure I did not forget anything out. In the, we are now coming into Rosh Chodesh Nisan soon. And uh, in Rosh Chodesh Nisan, there was a grand opening of the Mishkan, the temporary temple. When did they start the preparation for the Mishkan? The answer, Yud Aleph in Tishrei. The 11th of Tishrei, few months before. In Tishrei, it's the beginning of the, of the month, right after Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the 10th of Tishrei. The next day, Moshe gathered the Jewish nation and told them, we are preparing a Mishkan, a temporary house for Hashem. They all brought to him donations. Everybody came with donations. Why? They want to have a share in building the house of God. In the 12th and the 13th of Tishrei, everybody came and stood online that Moshe take their contribution. Almost like today. Everybody runs. Rabbi, Rabbi, we want to help. Everybody came. Until there was too much. On the 14th of Tishrei, 14, Yudaled in Tishrei, two days later, 48 hours, they brought donations. There was enough, way more than enough in two days to build the whole Mishkan. On the 14th, Moshe told them, no more. Don't bring any more donations. And in the 15th of Tishrei, they started the Melacha. 
everybody did something else. Some painted, some saw, kneading, all these things. And then how long did it take for all of them to prepare the Mishkan? 70 days. Until the 28th day of Kislev. Three days after Hanukkah. There was no Hanukkah yet. That's way before Hanukkah, yeah? A thousand years before. So, the 28 days of Tishrei, they finished all the Melacha, 70 days. The Mishkan was ready. They said to Moshe, okay, let's build it up. Let's bring it up. The tent, everything. Moshe said, go put everything in boxes. It's not the time yet. Put it in boxes. So they all went and stored it in boxes. Until when? Until Rosh Chodesh Nisan. How long? 95 days. 95 days. More than three months it was in boxes. So why they all rush like crazy? They walk like crazy, like machine, day and night, to prepare the Mishkan. Why? You have plenty of time. You don't have to finish in 70 days. You have extra 95 days. 165 days is more than enough. Every day you walk poco poco, slowly, slowly, no rush. Mucho trabajo, too much. What's going on over here? No, what's going on over here? Why they had to rush like this? The answer is, Rabotai, the same way you make sins, that's how you do tshuva. If the sins is with lots of anxiety and passion, and the tshuva is, uh, oh no, again to daven, oh again, slichot, that's not a tshuva. The Mishkan is repentance for what sin? Chet Egel, the golden calf. When the golden calf, when Aaron said to them, okay, go get the earrings. Get the earrings, get the rings, get uh, the bracelet, get, get all the gold from the women, from the men. He thought it's going to take them at least a day until they gather everything. Oh, right away, within minutes, they gather everything. They ran like crazy. They couldn't wait to make the sin. Because they made the sin so passionately and so fast, you had to show Hashem anxiety and passion when you build his home. It was ready right away after 70 days. They walked like crazy because Moshe told them that's going to be your repentance for the golden calf. So now, we sit still and wait. The repentance was done already in the efforts and the happiness and rush. You rush. You don't have the rabbi to call you. Hey, you want to help? Uh, how many people now that got wiped out in the last two weeks? Completely. Completely got wiped out. What do you think now they're thinking about? Stupid me. I had 20 million dollars, it all became zero. At least if I would save souls when the rabbi was screaming for 20 years, I used to do him a favor, send him 500 dollars every month while I was making him almost a million dollars a month. The business was booming, business non-stop. Stupid me. 
Why didn't I give this 20 million that God wiped out to save more souls? I would have another 100,000 Baalei Tshuva waiting for me for Olam Abba. Now I don't have this and I don't have the money. And it's now one or two or three. All the owners of the hotel, all the people who own stocks in the airlines, a lot of financial companies, owners of restaurants, people that have travel groups and all kinds of things. Everybody got wiped out in two weeks, three weeks, completely. What's going to happen, Rabotai? The stock market will continue to crash until two things will happen. One is they will come on the news and say that they found a vaccine, tested. Even though it will take time, another week or two, until it will begin to come to the stores, there will be already enough to the psychology of the people to begin to buy stocks again. Because right now it's all short, short, short. Right away everyone will buy back the stock, if you understand what I'm talking about. So within days or even within hours, the stock market will start to go up, 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 up. My estimation is the stock market, the Dow went from 30,000 to 21,000. That's 30%. My estimation, if they're not going to find a vaccine, they will go down to 10,000 and below. Another third will go down. That's my estimation. Even though my teacher that taught me a little bit about stocks a few years ago, he disagreed with me. He told me, no, now it's almost in the bottom of it. It will go another 2,000 and that's it, to 18,000. I disagree with him. Even though he knows much better stocks than me, I know much better psychology than him. And it's not about stocks and it's not about the real value of the business and the company. None of it is a factor right now. There's only one thing that motivates and moves the people. Panic. Psychology. When you in a panic, you have a $50,000 Rolex and you think that in one week the food is going to be finished and you're not going to have what to eat and you need right now to buy... You're gonna do. You're gonna be stupid and sell the Rolex for ten thousand, just to get the cash. This is how people think. Before I be dead, I might as well get whatever I can get. That's when all real estate collapse. Then when everybody goes into panic. Then when everyone stops to go into the store. Then when everybody goes into the supermarket and see ten hours line and they don't say, okay, let's wait three days. For now, I have food. Let all the panic go away. And they refill the store, and then I'll go and wait an hour. Why should I get 10? When you're under panic, your brain freeze. You don't think. And you're always going to do stupid things. To be successful in a market, you don't have to know all the companies and the history. You have to know people's psychology. And there's nothing more clever than our Torah when it comes to people's psychology. When people have no emunah, no, no trust in Hashem, no confidence... And everyone runs like crazy before the world is going to be over. Of course, everything will crash. Is it justified? No. Was it justified to go all the way up to 30,000? It was all a balloon. The whole stock market is the biggest scam in history. Nothing ever reflects the real value of the companies. The companies did not go to be worth five times more in 10 years. If you remember from 2008, after the crash, the Dow went down to 6,000 points. And from 6,000, it went up to 30,000. Five times more. Where the value came from. The companies make 
five times more profits? All of them? No. So where does it come from? The answer, balloon. The government pop billions of dollars every day to the market, buying stock, making, making it look like business is booming, and everyone like, a, like sheep. The sheep all going to one direction, everyone buy, 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 buy. It was just a matter of time until it has to balance. It's not realistic. I give you an example. One example for you to understand. There is a company called Tesla. Tesla sell 100,000 cars a year worldwide. There is a company, Toyota. Toyota sell 100,000 cars per month, not per year, per month, meaning 12 times more than Tesla, okay? The stock of Tesla went from 300 to 900, more than double than Toyota. <laughs> Everybody understand that Tesla doesn't want anything near Toyota. If you go to sell Tesla now and you go to sell Toyota, Toyota probably is more than 10 times more. But on the paper, the stock of Tesla went to 900 when you don't even have to stay in business. And they're doing well. In two, three bad months, they can go bankrupt. It's not a solid company. It's all balloon, all PR, all speeches on the news, all kinds of nonsense. That's how they fool people. But Hashem always will bring everything to what it's really worth in the end. This is the difference between us and the Goim. In this world, they step on our head. The Gemara say the Jews are like wine. They compare to the Geffen. Why Geffen? How do you make wine? You step on the grapes. Like this. You step on the grapes for hours. Today they have different technique. But in the old days, you put rubber boots and you press on the grapes. And they drop. They become barrels of wine. What happened in the end? The grape step on you. After you drink the wine, it knocks you out. That's how the Jewish nation is. They go in, step on our heads, non-stop in this world. But in the end, when Mashiach comes, it will be the other way around. Why else we compare to a geffen? The geffen can, it's a very soft tree. It doesn't have a strong branch. It can only climb on something. We are humble. We know we don't have an existence of our own. We can only rely on our forefathers. That's why when they raise grapes, when they put grapes, plant them in a vineyard, they stick all kinds of wood, pieces of wood, and the grapes climb on that wood. And eventually it looks like a fence. Dead wood is the, is the foundation of the living grape. The grape will always climb on the wood. Meaning, if you now put the wood on the right side, the grape is going to start going towards the wood. Piece of wood. If you pull, take the wood out of the ground and move it to the other side, the grape is going to make a U-turn. It knows where to go. So we are, the Jewish nation have no existence without Rashi, without Rambam, without the Ari Kadosh, without the Tanaim, the Amoraim, the Nevi'im. We understand that without them we have nothing. You understand? The Goim say we came from the monkeys. 
So every generation is more blessed than the one before because it's further away from the monkey. You understand? The further you are from the monkey, the more human you are. It's, very, it's a long, long time since you've been a monkey. We came from Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. We're not reaching 1% of their level even. The further away we go from them, the lower we are. When you come from the monkey, or you believe you came from a monkey, the every generation you are better because you're less a monkey. You understand? But when you come from Moshe Rabbeinu, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, the longer you are in the time from those sages, the worse is the level of the generation. So, I started to explain to you, 70 days they build, 95 days they waited. And it came to repent for the golden for the for the sin of the golden calf. The Gemara says, "Masechet Anit, end of chapter two. Atid Hakadosh Baruch Hu laavim abul. Hakadosh Baruch Hu will bring a flood to the world. This was after the flood of Noah, two thousand years later. It was written. What flood? Hakadosh Baruch Hu swore he will not bring a flood that will drown the whole world." like he did in the time of Noah. So why the Gemara say that Hashem will bring a flood? The Gemara say, Amar Abiyosi, a flood of water, Hashem is not going to bring, because he swore he won't bring any more flood of water to the world. But the flood of pandemic, an epidemic, devil, maybe, he will bring to all the nations, to the Akum, to all the idol worshippers. Before the days of Mashiach, many of them will be sick, and even some of the Jewish nation will be sick, but they won't die. This is what the Gemara say. Before Mashiach will come, Hashem will bring a pandemic to the world, to all the nations. By them, you're going to have dead. By us, some people will be sick, but it wasn't meant to kill us. It's meant to wake us up. Rabotai, you cannot be, you can't allow yourself to be foolish and stupid. You can't. You have to wake up by, by reviewing what Hashem does. In one transaction, he knocked down all the entertainment business, all the modeling agency, all the mixed parties, all the non-modest vacation places, all the mixed beaches, all the hotels who people make since their morning after night, non-stop all over the world, all the sports and the culture of the Greeks, all the leagues in the world, all the churches of the world, all the mosques in the world, all the synagogues where people sit over there and talk politics and hatred and sinat chinam and racism, Clean the whole world from all the bed. In two, three weeks, Rabotai. If I told you that a month ago, that in two, three weeks, Hashem will bring everyone on their knees. Every person in the world is on his knees right now. Everyone. Even people who made millions in those two weeks in a stock market, they're still on their knees. 
Why? Because they live in fear to die in two, three weeks from now. What's going to happen? Okay, soon it's going to be over. The market will be in zero. Then what? What am I going to do? You should know one thing, Rabotai, another warning. Until the situation will turn around, hopefully in a week or two, hopefully, maybe three, it will continue to go down. And there's a very high risk. There's risk that the banks would collapse. Banks don't give cash anymore to people. People went to get cash. They say, we ran out of cash. They don't want to give you cash. One bank say, we have $300 left in the branch. One person I sent in LA to the bank, Chase Bank is the biggest bank in the world. They told him, because very rich man, you can only take 5,000. He wanted to take 50. They told him you can only take 5,000 until a further notice. Because he cried to them, he doesn't have any money, he needs money. We don't know what's going to happen. Any moment you're going to hear that the bank's canceling all the credit cards. We can't give you credit, we don't have money. All credit cards are canceled. You can only buy with what, how much cash you have. And if they won't let you take cash, they're going to do what happened in Argentina. You can only get an allowance to survive for food, nothing else. That can happen. If the remedy, the cure for this virus will not come within two, three weeks, that's what's going to happen. If you still have a way to get some cash and have it for time of emergency, if you have weapon, get it ready. Because people will knock on your door and threaten you that if you don't give them money, they're going to break in. Be careful not to go to dangerous places. Better not to leave the house if you can. If you can walk from the house or anyway you don't walk or your children are at home because there's no schools and you anyway have to be home. Better not to go anywhere. Unless you must go and buy something, food or something. Better not to leave. Because every day the situation will be worse. Every day. In New Jersey they already have curfew. From 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. no one is allowed to come unless if it's a, if they can prove it's an emergency. No one is allowed to come out of their homes. Another day or two, they're going to say the curfew is all the time until further notice. It happens in Italy. All Italy is locked indoors. In many places in Israel, people are in quarantine. They can't leave. If you leave, people call and complain. The police come and arrest you and give you a big fine. Today I got a video from Petah Tikva in Israel. You know, there's no weddings. All the weddings are canceled, meaning they can't, all the catering all are all bankrupt. That's it. No more catering halls in Israel. They all declare bankruptcy. So they made a wedding in someone's apartment. There's a lot of big buildings. In a terrace, they put a band, and the band was singing for the Chatan and Kala in an apartment. And you had to see how all the people from all the terraces of all the buildings were standing and singing. You never saw in your life such thing. Hundreds of hundreds of people standing by the terrace and singing for the Chatan and Kala. They play loud music in the whole neighborhood. So one person said, only the Israelis can make lemonades out of lemon. <laughs> the situation is, is very sour lemon. The Israeli turn it into lemonade. Out of depression, out of anxiety, out of lockdown. Nobody knows if he has a job. Nobody knows he's going to have food next week. What do they do? Chatan and Kala, they're all singing. 
Many weddings happened in the street. People on the streets, like the old days, they used to make weddings in the neighborhood on Friday afternoon. Bukharian wedding. Women come with the Ashpolo, with the Bachs, with this. Everybody from the... Na- That's, by the way, the Minag of Sheva Brachot. Sheva Brachot originally has to be in the house of the Chatan and Kala. Not in restaurants and not in other houses. The Sfaradim don't make Sheva Brachot unless if it's in the house of Chatan and Kala. Or there is Panim Chadashot. So it's very interesting how it used to be. In Friday afternoon, people work all week. They come Friday from 1, 2 p.m. home. In the neighborhood, one hour with meal, everybody dance on the street. That's it. No catering all, no catering, no bands. No. Some people from the neighborhood, one guy has a violin, the other one has a, the tombak, one with a trumpet. Yeah, making the music. This is how it used to be. And believe me, it was very happy. And it didn't cost 1% what it costs today. And nobody need all this show. You know... I heard a story, it's unbelievable. A wedding that was supposed to take place in the, next, in the near future, I don't know, a week, two, three weeks from now, they realized that soon it's going to be lockdown. Now you cannot make weddings anymore in New York. You can't. You need up to 50 people. So they say one of the side, I don't know, from the, from the Chatan or from the Kala, they say to the other side, let's do the wedding tomorrow. At least we can get all our friends to come. 150 people will come. We're going to do a wedding with 50 people. They say, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. No. Now they announce, that's it, 50 people. That's it, no more. So I found out that the reason that they say no, guess what was the reason? I give you one guess. No. The mother and the sister of the Chatan or the Kala, they refused to do it because the woman that makes their hair and makeup was not available until a specific date. For that, they refused to do the wedding. Now there's no wedding at all. You see, when we are stupid, we're going to pay for our stupidity. That's the way the world always been. You act stupid... There is a price for this stupidity. Can't do your own hair? What is the difference? The woman doesn't know how to put some makeup on her own. Who's going to care about this? No. In the album. You know, come on. How many people would look in this album? Two, three weeks, and then it goes right into the closet for the next 25 years. Getting moldy. Anyone cares about the picture of the album? $8,000, $10,000 you spent for photographing team. Move three hours from the wedding goes for this nonsense. Go, put your hand like this, go like this, go like that. Go. That's the world of fools. World of fools. The whole wedding is half an hour. Chupa, one hour. Wasting time until that. Uh, no pictures, another hour and a half, two hours. By the time you're ready after the chupada, yalla sheva brachot. Birkat Amazon. Why? The show off. 
No more show off. No more fancy weddings. No more red carpet. No more Hollywood parties. No more Cancun for Pesach. My heart goes for all the women who plan to be in a hotel every year and now they have to prepare their own Pesach. I know it's not easy. My heart also goes to the women that are cleaning lady in quarantine. And my heart also goes to all the cleaning ladies that because public school now is off, so the cleaning ladies cannot come two weeks before Pesach. No, I'm not making a joke. I really feel bad for these women. Some of them never prepare one Pesach from the day they got married for 20, 30 years. Now they have to prepare for 20 people, their son, his wife, the children. It's not easy. But that's what Hashem wants. That's one of the reasons He brought this situation to the world. That we stop being spoiled and we start sweating for Pesach, for cooking, for cleaning, for whatever, it's, whatever is involved here. Maybe Hashem is not so happy that people sit in Miami Beach by the beach in the holiest night of the year. Maybe he's very upset that people go to Goish hotels and everybody naked walks in the middle of Lela Seder in a lobby there. He hates it maybe. Maybe he hates all these fancy schmancy cruises if the food is Bichlal kosher over there and all the entertainments that is against the Torah over there. Maybe he cannot stand anymore the horrible Greek culture of the stadiums and the sports and every kid in this country is addicted to this poison. Maybe he's sick and tired of it already. Did you think about it? How many years have I been screaming about these things? Did you ever believe that in one week it will all collapse? When you read in the Gemara that En Ben David Ba'at Shilot Pichlepruta Minakis the Gemara said, Ben David, the Messiah will not come until people will be totally broke. Not going to be one coin in your pocket. I admit, learning so many years Torah, I admit, whenever I read this Gemara, I was thinking to myself, yeah, right. How can it be? So many billionaires. Take away all their money. They're still going to have millions of dollars. They have account here, account there, they have real estate. How is it going to be that they don't have one dollar in their pocket? Now it's making sense. You can have a hundred million dollars still in your bank account. They freeze, they lock down everything. State of emergency. Can't take money, can't touch the money. It can happen in Argentina and in other places. Can't touch your money. And you know what is the biggest fear? When everyone will be fired in the banks, and banks will have to lay off 30, 40,000 employees, every one of these banks, there's a very high risk that they're going to clean your bank account before they leave. What do you think is going to happen? They're going to fill up a suitcase with a million dollars in cash, or whatever they can steal, and run away, disappear. What do they have to lose? I have nothing to lose. The world is ending for them anyway. No job, no nothing, no food. They're just going to run across the border to Canada, I don't know to where. Disappeared. It happens in Argentina. The owner of a bank took $50 million, filled up a truck, and, and escaped to Chile. I met my friend, Alava Shalom, he passed, he was a very famous guitar player. His wife, Argentinian, she, she told me, all our family's money got wiped out, they stole it and ran away to Chile. We got wiped out. No, no insurance, by the way, there's no insurance. Government insure up to $250,000 per person. That's it. 
So all these millionaires, billionaires, if, if the bank steal the money and run, or the owners of the bank let the bank default, all your money is gone wiped out. You should know, there's no, no, Hashem left us no security, no guarantee, no nothing. We have no one to count on besides Him. So if we don't do it now, we won't have any more an opportunity to do it in a few weeks. Now it's the time to trust Hashem. Don't know what's going to happen. I believe Bezrat Hashem, it's only a belief. I don't know for sure. I believe that once the hot weather will come, hopefully Bezrat Hashem, we're praying for it every day. What happens in China will happen here also. The numbers will go down, will go down, and less, and the media would lose interest. They create all the problems anyway. And there's going to be less panic, and companies will continue to start hiring those who will be in business. And it's going to be new opportunities. The market will start coming up. They're going to build new places. going to open new restaurants. Yes, the world will have maybe 10, 20 good years. Just like from 2008 until now, it was 12 very good years in economy. That's what I want to believe, and I hope it's going to be like that. But if not, if we're going to come to May, and it's going to be hot days, and we're still going to have thousands of people getting it every day, that's the end of us. So now we have nothing to, nothing to do besides hoping. By the way, you should see in Africa, almost nobody got it. In whole South Africa, 60 cases only. And it's not growing. Why? It's very hot. 35 degrees Celsius there. It's 100, almost 95 degrees. In India, it's hot. Almost nobody got it there. In the Arab countries, you don't hear about it so much. In places very hot, it did not hit them so hard. It hit in China when it was cold a month ago. Here, here or here, then it's cold. And in Europe, that it's cold. And in Israel, that was, was cold until now. It was very hard winter in Israel. Now it's going to be, Zrat Hashem, have hot days, hopefully. Those who already got it, got it. Don't get me wrong. The hot weather will not eliminate it completely. It will only eliminate it out in the streets. But indoor, with AC and this, if people have it, they will still pass it. But it's not going to be so many cases of dead people, so you won't hear about it. Today, thousands of people die from flu every week in America. Thousands. You don't hear about it. Because it's one here, two there, one there. It's not uh, 350 people a night like in Italy, in one city. Do you understand the difference or no? So once it's going to go to normal rate of dying or people get catching it, nobody will hear about it. You won't hear a word about it on the news. Once the news will stop showing bodies and people, then everyone will go back to normal. It doesn't mean we still don't have to be worried and, and careful about our health. It will still be around like the flu. But if Bezrat Hashem... If, God forbid, we got it, remember what I told you. Prepare a hair blower and a bottle of spray with water. It's no joke. It will kill the, ger the virus before it penetrates the lung. It takes a few days until it goes from the lung. I saw a whole explanation by an specialist for viruses, how he explained that. It was my advice. Don't think I made it up. This is was a group of very smart people who deals with viruses. They explained, by the way, it's also good for flu. Not only for, for every virus. Every virus first stick to the 
to the throat from inside. So you're, you're putting hot air inside, 130 degrees, 130 degrees, it goes into the neck and burns in seconds. It burns it. So you do it five minutes just to be on the safe side. Twice a day, and it's over. If you already got it, and you feel the symptoms, do it five times a day for two days. And after that, like nothing happened. Bezrat Hashem, we won't need this. None of us will catch it. Do as much as you can, learning Torah, pray a lot, and give a lot of tzedakot, at least until the rage will be over and the judgment. A lot of tzedakah give. Show Hashem you're not afraid. Like I started to tell you the story about the guy that was a personal trainer. How did I remember him now? He called me up today, say I'm out of the job. My wife got fired because of the situation. I don't have one dollar income. I want to increase my monthly donation from 200 shekel to 500 shekel. It's about 150 dollars for Israeli who is unemployed. I told him, you sure? My fingers can't move on the credit card machine. <laughs> you just told me your situation. He said to me, Kvod Arav, either we have emuna or we don't have emuna. The Parnassah came from the job? No. The Parnassah came from Hashem. Do Hashem have a problem? You yourself told me a million times in your lectures that doing what Hashem wants, you can never lose from it. And there's nothing Hashem loves more than Torah and Tzedakah. So how can I lose from it? Then I'm speechless. What can I answer? He's using against me what I told him. We'll finish with a joke. One guy owed a lot of money to people. And his friend told me, listen, I have one way to get you out of the trouble. And he said, what? He said, everyone who comes to claim the money, pretend you're crazy. Stand on the chair, on their things, make faces of monkey. <laughs> Jump like this. When they see, they all know what to do. They're going to call up the boss. Hey, this, this guy became crazy. They come, they see you making faces, talking to yourself, rolling on the floor, going like this, you know, you see angels. So they say, okay, that's a lost case, leave him alone. What's the point of beating him up? It's crazy. Eh? And everyone would leave you. You sure? It's like, yeah, I guarantee you see. In two or three weeks, they all leave you alone. Because they used to bang on his door, where's the money? They came, one after the other. Boss, the guy is really crazy. Come, we'll show you a video. Here. Oh, okay, leave him alone. Yalla. After everyone left him alone, his friend came after three weeks. No, Moshe, how is business? <laughs> wow, you're genius. He said to him, well, he said, they all left me alone. They wiped it out. No, no death anymore. He said, okay, now give me the 10,000 you owe me at least. So I started to go like this. Ha <laughs> ha, Slacked his face. Hey, you fool. You're using against me what I taught you? That's what this guy did to me today. <laughs> you told me that if you do what Hashem says, that's what saves from death. We cannot lose. The answer is right. That's what the Torah promised. Thank you very much. Baruch Adonai Lolam. Amen. Amen. Rabbi Hananiah ben Akashia Omer Atzak Anosh Baruch Hu